0: Hello, and welcome to SoberCast, where we provide AA speaker meetings and workshops in podcast format. We're an ad-free podcast, and if you enjoy listening, please help us be self-supporting by visiting SoberCast.com, look for the donate link, and drop a dollar or two into our virtual basket. We hope you enjoyed the podcast. Have a great day. I got up this morning, and I said, I'm the only man on the face of God's earth today who must remain sober. And I've been saying that for 33 years. And I never prayed to be so greedy. Not a given day. I haven't prayed after my first. And my sponsor, who's the groom in the big book, still alive, still kicking, still raising cane. You know, he's a guy you either love him or you hate him. And I had some Jesuit priests said, you're a success in life if you're never mediocre. <laughs> and... He had taught me that and they had taught me, the early guys. I made meetings with Global six, eight and ten. Kimbo Gnostic. Those first three, four, five hundred guys. They were sober and they didn't even have a program. And we got people who can't even stay sober, and they got a program. See they wrote it. And they wrote it as they went. Many a thousand of them died on that cross just so you could have twelve steps. They died in those streets and those alleys and those sewers and those jails and nut houses so you could have a program. And some don't even use it. And it works 100% every time man walks in here if he wants to be sober, like he wants to breathe, no power on earth will get him drunk if you look at 200 simple words, the steps in your program. I mention that because there's two parts of AA, and everybody engages in the first part. I'm amazed. Did you people know this was going to be a tradition meeting? Who <laughs> did. I compliment you. <laughs> Usually you mention there will be a tradition meeting. And you know what happens? The guy says, where's another meeting? They're going to have some traditions. And that's our attitude. And you know what it's done in the 33 years I've seen? It's splitting us to pieces. They are hammering at our walls so bad and breaking them down that you might be lucky if you're young enough to have it around 10 years from now. You see, the program of Alcoholics Anonymous and the traditions come from diametrically two different areas. Those early drunks took What was all good in this world, what had always been good, what had always made good men great men, what had always made common soldiers heroes, what had always taken politicians and made statesmen out of them, that intangible thing the spiritual values of the dignity of his own person. Incorruptible. And they took these from all the good things, all the men and the women who had gone before them. And if there are any women leaders here, when I say mankind, I include you. I don't want any dialogue with you. I didn't come here for it. (laughs) <laughs> you know, go out and the ERA down at Congress, not here I include you And all these good things Since the recorded history of man Seems to be always the same No matter where they were found on the face of this earth It seemed all men whether they be Christian or Jew, Mohammedan, Shinto, Buddhist, you name it, Sarostan, and the thousands of others, whether they just be primitive men in the jungle, such as discovered in New Guinea or Brazil or Africa, every once in a while a tribe that has been lost. And they have this same thing. They recognize they are not the end product of this earth. They recognize there is a power greater than themselves that controls this universe and has put it in order. And yet we, the sophisticates of the world, sometimes cannot match the faith of a primitive man, maybe in a star or a tree or an animal or a string. And that is where they drew it from. The actual program came out of Oxford, for those of you who know the history of AA. A religious society. They depended on three things. The Book of James. The Sermon on the Mount. When I got sober, I carried Emmett Fox's Sermon on the Mount, as you carry a big book. It was required by my sponsors. And the other was the absolutes. The four absolutes. Absolute. An easy way to remember them is the word hope. H-U-L-P. Honesty, unselfishness, love, and purity. That's all they had. And in the history of man, no one has succeeded at what you and I have succeeded. Not staying sober for one day, staying sober a lifetime. And if you're in here for any less, you might as well go out and get a drink tonight. Because you're going to come up short. You can do it only one day at a time. But it's a lifetime committal. I know the first night I came, I came in off the streets and they asked me, What do you want, Bum? I said, only your answer. And I came sober. I did not get my sobriety here. I spent two days in an alley in Washington getting sober. I walked nine miles to North Arlington Group from Washington for my first meeting. And so the program, which is yours and mine individually, 200 simple words in the English language that no pseudo-intellectuals need to interpret, but just merely use. Any 12 or 13 year old, the student, can be taught this program in 30 days, given an exam, and pass it with flying colors. But that's rote. That's only knowledge. They will have no need to use it. They are good academicians, good scholastics. And some of us are that, too. We talk the game, you know, And then we wonder. I always tell a guy, my pigeons, I say, hey, don't call me up drinking. One never has in all these years. Don't ever call me up drinking. I'll hang up on you. I'm not interested in drugs. And one of them said to me one time, Would you really? I said, Try me. And he did, one night. And then he said, Why did I get drunk, Frank? I said, You have to ask that. You already were told at every meeting you went. You just didn't believe. I hung up. And so all the good that was in this world that men had put together, that had made them better than themselves at times, as history wrote, these drunks, no scholars, no scholastics, no mental giants really among them, and every one of them rum-dum. They came out of the streets and the sewers and the gutters and the prisons and the jails and the nut houses and, and I came with them, the second generation. Ninety percent of us came from the street. We were unemployable. We had lost everything. Only ten percent was still employed or had a family left or had not been in a jail or prison or had not been in a fruit factory. And yet, as we say, the class of 50, we reviewed three years ago at the Towson Convention in Maryland, 420 names in a five-year period. And we would say, hey, where's this guy? Where's that guy? We tie it to Florida. Died sober. One of those who was very active around here, Alex Kleefoff. He retired as the head of Voice of America. He's in Bern, Switzerland. He's been a spook all his life. Sober. <laughs> also, 95%. Now I'm going to give you a shocker. Because know sometimes, maybe the younger ones, they look and they say, Oh my God, we got a bleeding deacon, and I didn't wear the black tie to be preachy. I'll tell you what happened. I live a long way from here. And I i don't have all my mental capacity now. And the one thing I usually... Because I will wear one at the office. I don't wear a tie. I don't like things around my neck. They tried to hang me too many times. <laughs> and things around my neck confine me. The only reason I'm dressed like this is my sponsor told me. And before I could talk, 91st day, you will never get on an AA pro- platform unless you are properly dressed and paying proper respect to the group that you are addressing. And I don't ever want to hear of you getting up there. And if I showed up here tonight, some think would tell him in Florida, (laughs) I'd have a telephone call. I would have a telephone call and he would ask me straight out. Just who do you think you are? You are not that important to be indifferent and not pay the respect to this group and to AA. And we were skidmore drunks. Some of us had a bowler's suit to make that talk. I did. It was over a year before I could buy one. And so they put this together and we called it 12 Steps. You and I use it. We're here and we're sober. We use it to varying degrees as men do things. And upon the use of that program and the spiritual consciousness that we've gotten out of it, that will be determined whether we will remain so for the rest of our life. That is a personal thing. We will approach it from different avenues. But the basics are there. It says God, it means God. It doesn't mean a light bulb. I'm sorry if there is anyone here who is still so sick that they say, I don't, I'm not listening to this God bit. Well, you can leave. That door, not one of us were asked in here. I wasn't. I was a beggar who crawled through that door and asked you for an answer. You gave me the only answer you ever had you told me don't you change it don't even try to change it and it hasn't been changed in all those years you didn't need me the day I came and you don't need me tonight and for anyone there that is sitting pompously thinking you're needed here I got news for you, you're not you try it, go out and get drunk see how long see, we move on too many drunks dying but 95% of those people would die sober or are still sober with unbroken sobriety interesting those of you who read the grapevine the success rate of Alcoholics Anonymous today that is a guy walking through that door tonight and I hope I do shock you I hope I shock the new guy because I'm going to tell you what your odds are on making this thing they're damn slim to 28%. Your current grapevine list. 50% of them in 90 days we'll never see again. It's a rewrite of Bill's old 1948 article and Talk where he said what's happening to them. I'll tell you one thing that's happening. They're not abiding by tradition. 28%. If you're reasonably new in here if you think this is anything but a life and death proposition I get news for you in the history of man there have never been any survivors from this disease and we have had men and women of all stations stations of social status financial intellectual prominence men who rule nations Men who wrote ballads, the world will always remember, like Stephen Foster. he died in a men's room in New York's Bowery before they could get him to Belgium. It has killed everyone. There are no survivors here. But you've got a good personal program. You can use it. And whatever this life deals, on any given day, that program is sufficient. To get you by. Who says life is fair or you should be happy? It says you should survive. And survive you will. Yeah. And so that was taken from all the good. Then was taken the traditions when they were put together. And they were taken from all the things that were bad. Those first ten years. See, Bill was putting these together those 10 years, from 35 to 45. They would not be accepted until 1950. My sponsor was one who fought them, and many others did. Dr. Bob had to be convinced because they did not think the society was old enough to have traditions. That was a reasonable, good argument. As it was in 1950 the year that I came these were adopted in the general conference and uh nobody talked about them maybe till 55 57 and then we started talking a little about them because already things were starting to happen and every day now at least a half a dozen of these traditions are violated to the extreme that we've got a serious problem in Maryland. We have groups split apart because of this court-ordered signing of court slips. We have 50 groups. Won't even sign them anymore. It's no longer cooperation. It's coercion by a court now. They want us to be the parole officers. And these traditions and we have a paper now as a minority opinion it will go to New York and to Maryland. Don't permit it. And so it was all the things that were bad. All the mistakes they made. And every crazy idea that you and I could ever come up with, those first five or six hundred guys did it. They didn't think of it, they did it. Wilson, You know, Wilson is not a man I pray to. I prayed to him. I prayed for him when he was alive. And I still pray for him. But I don't pray to him. And he liked that. He rather liked that, really. And Wilson himself came up with a wing game. Of course, Bill was always a promoter. You know, he had a hard time staying away from a fast buck. But any other man would have been wrong at the time Though I disagreed and my sponsor disagreed It would have been wrong The two men, Dr. Bob Who laid the spiritual foundation of this program Right in that book And if you haven't read that Dr. Bob book Take that in the big book Matter of fact Tear the fifth chapter out of the big book Throw it away The rest is interesting reading Get Dr. Bob in the big book And there's your program you'll see who laid it out He finally got recognition And then Bill was the promoter. He kept the glue together. He pushed it. He did it. And he had a heck of a time staying out of the limelight. But he come up one night and he said, I got it all fixed. He always thought in millions. He was going to build a ten-story skyscraper, you know, bring the drunk like me in from the ground. Right out of the out. Well, we're going to shower him up and delouse him first. Then we'll send him into a medical unit and detoxify him. Incidentally, they don't even keep records of drunks who die from delirium tremens. So if one bounces on the floor, don't worry about it. They don't even keep records. And then after we detoxify him, we'll send him up to the clothier and get him fitted. Then after that, we have to move him up, get his IQ. See how far he's come along in school. Then we'll finish educating him. Then we'll get him into the employment part of it. And then, of course, he may need a small loan to tidy him over. He's living in the seventh floor. This is a skid row bum. He's happy in the alley. You believe me? He's comfortable. And he went on with this grandiose plan, and this would formulate in his mind for these traditions, this was back in the 40s, and he said, as some say here, their prideful arrogance shows through as if they were drunk and never sober a day. I can do what I want to do. You can. With your program. You can use it as a pigsty, as far as I'm concerned. You'll wonder why you get drunk. Or you can build a palace. You can do what you want to do. There's no punitive measures here. Your prideful arrogance can assert itself. You can stand up and be unique and different. You can cry out, I am the Order. And in doing it, you destroy a little of AA, and you will destroy yourself. And so he said, I can do it. I can do anything I want. I'm sober. And he himself writes of this. And they said, yeah, Bill, that's right. You are sober, and you can do anything you want to do. We can't even raise a hand against you. And you've got the right to do that to yourself. See, you've got the right to destroy yourself. To corrupt yourself. But by God, you have no right to do it to us. And so, out of all the bad, he started to put it together. You see, we have those Pollyannas. And these violations of these traditions, surprisingly, is not done by evil people. I wish it was. I could attack evil people. I could attack them. I could have no conscience about it. These are violated by good, good people. But ignorant people. The good and the ignorant, and build himself room. The good is sometimes the enemy of the best. And it will have to be the best for us if we are to survive. Well, you see, he also knew the story of the Washingtonians. We're not the first society of people to ever come up with a successful program for dogs. So if anybody is feeling, you know what I mean, they want to put on their peacock feathers, I got news for you. In eighteen forty eight in the city of Baltimore, in Chauncey's tavern on Calvert Street, six men sat, six drunks, six drinking drunks. And they came to a conclusion that their problem was booze. Plain and simple. In the jargon of the day, that demon rough. And they were friends, and they didn't want to be that way, so they made a vow to each other. But the following week they would come back sober and they would bring one more member. And they would name themselves the Washingtonians. They would put together a program. A program for a drunk to be able to cope with the problems of living for the rest of his life and survive. They had already stopped drinking, just like you and I have. That's why I don't I don't bother God in the morning. He's a very busy person. And say, keep me sober today. I am sober when I get up. What I pray for is very simple. I just say, Lord, don't let anything happen to me today that you and I can't take care of together. And by God, I know that world who killed me and try to kill me out there with it. They've killed every drunk who's ever come down the pike. Just about, except a few of us. And when I run out of all that I can do, that's when he has to come in. For no man is sufficient to himself. And he's got to bring in the heavy artillery. He's never failed. He arrives right on time. And so the program they put together, surprisingly, consisted of six steps. So did our program originally. My sponsor, Bill, in those six steps is what they had. They used them for a short while, and then they divided them and made them 12. And their six steps, surprisingly, listen to this, was, we must recognize... That alcohol is our problem and that it has destroyed our life. Different wording of the time. 1848. We must seek help from God. They went direct. And we must serve God. Three steps. Sound familiar? The next thing they said was we must take an inventory of ourselves I was just told simply, the only guys weren't that. They didn't discuss too much with you. They just said, sober up, clean up, and grow up. <laughs> and so there was the inventory. They said, you have to make restitution for your loans. Bear in mind, this was a religious group. They're either, even using the word sin, but that's permissible in 1848. Well, they were using it in 1950 when I came. These churches weren't that happy with us. (laughs) And those doctors were convinced. You know, it was about 1958 before they accepted it. So I came through the period of darkness. And then the last thing they did, they said, we have to pray every day, step five, And step six was, we have to recruit a new member. Now, they're pulling them off the bar stools. But our early guys did, too. Not necessary anymore. And inside of four years, they had 100,000 membership. Population of the United States, 52 million at the time. 100,000 sober drunks. That's a better record than we have. We have roughly a million and a half with maybe 16 million. They did a better job than we did. And then they let in the non-alcoholics. Their speakers started speaking for money. They started going into the business of education, the business of medicine, the business of this, the business of that. And within 10 years, they disappeared from the face of the earth. Never to be heard from again. I'm sure some of those drunk states are. And the last vestige of the Washingtonians went under the wreckers' ball in Boston, Massachusetts about three or four years ago. For they built a hospital, the first one for alcoholics only in the city of Boston. It's now part of Boston University Hospital. The Washingtonian Hospital. But they disappeared from the face of the earth. Why? They had a good program. They had a spiritual program. They had a program as valid as ours. More successful than ours. Why? They didn't have traditions. They didn't have traditions. And so they got assaulted from every way. They started bickering among themselves. Before they knew what happened... After four years, they permitted non alcoholics in. They grew to a membership of one million then. When those people started paying the bills, they told those drunks how to do it. And that was all heard from the drunks. Ten years later, within ten years, disappeared from the face of the earth. So, there could be an emotional argument, and it is only emotional, that God will protect us. We have no guarantee of that. We have no guarantee of that. No more than God will just assume we shall remain sober the rest of our lives because we say we accept this program and do no effort to use it. There is no guarantee on a man in his sobriety or a woman. There is no guarantee on AA. And they'll say, but God's on our side. And I'm mindful of a president of ours once speaking to his general when he gave him command, his general said to him, he said, Mr. President, Mr. Lincoln, I hope God's on our side. And he said, no, General. I hope we're on God's side. There is a difference. We are not the first society of people who God has graciously given something, something that no one else had. And they abused it, and they misused it, and they destroyed it. And God was involved. Even a whole earth at one time. So His patience can run short with us. You know, they say, why do you keep banging away? Why don't you give it up, Frank? I get tired at times. I'm 61 years old now. I put in a 12-hour day at work. I'm not going to let them young punks work more than me. What good self-respecting drunk would let a 20- or 30-year-old? I say, what, are you tired? you tired? You know, we've got to hold on to that. St. Augustine said that's where the vice of arrogance becomes the virtue. Incidentally, my sponsor, I tell you a funny little story. You think you shaped up in uh, three months, six months, a year, two years, you've five years and your sponsor's happy? Not mine. I have my original book. And I keep saying to Clarence, I say, Clarence, why don't you sign my book? Because I always sign a pigeon's book. I sign one when I give it away. And he said, wait a minute. I'll sign it in due time. <laughs> 10 years, 15, 20. Finally, on my 25th anniversary, I ain't got a signed book. And I say, Clarence, for God's sakes, look, he's pushing 80. (laughs) And I believe in getting to the point and being honest. That's what he taught me. If I don't like you, I'll tell you. You know, I say, say hello to me at the meeting. If you're a faker, I want no party. And... I said, Clarence, you know, you're getting up there. (laughs) And you're going to clock out soon. (laughs) And nobody's going to even believe you are my sponsor. (laughs) He said, okay, give me your book. So I went in and I got my book. And here's what he wrote. I guess I haven't changed much since he met me. He said, to Frank. And they called us babies Then He was out of Cleveland. See, I'm Cleveland, Ohio, AA, even though I got sober here in Washington, D.C. I'm not East Coast, AA. And he said, True Frank, the only baby I ever had who mastered the art of aggressive humility. (laughs) (laughs) And I said, They read that, you're telling them, I'm arrogant. He said, that isn't what it says. Don't analyze it, utilize it. So if any of you think I'm arrogant, I happen to know from my sponsor, good source, that's aggressive humility and it ain't bad. And so now they had to put something together. Bill did the heavy work on it. A few other guys pitched in, unlike the steps. Everybody contributed to the steps. But the traditions were Bill. And a few threw this in, you know, like when they said, Bill, you can't do that to us. Like when he said, well, we'll get five million bucks. And they said, wait a minute, we don't need other people's money. We'll take their money, they're going to own us. And so this all fed in from his contemporaries. And they put it together. Now, these are sick drunks. No intellectuals. They haven't got a Ph.D. in the group. Mm -hmm. This guy is Hank Parkhurst, who edited the book. He was a vice president for Exxon. He had some smarts. Hank did. But he was the only one. And here's what they came up with. And they said that if we violate too many of these too many times, just as our personal program is concerned, we're going to get in trouble. And the first tradition, surprisingly, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon AA unity. No longer were we single, no longer were we alone, no longer will we... At liberty to do what we wanted to do here where the group was concerned. We would now subscribe to a principle, a credo, if you will, a moral obligation that surprisingly all men of all times have placed first. The unit must survive. Not me, Bill Wilson is dead and buried. We're here. I will be dead and buried. You'll be here. The unit must survive, not you and I as individuals, so that those still out there will have a place to come. Every society of man, whether they were political, whether they were national, whether they were religious... If you're a student of history, has always taken this as the first tradition. Any man that's ever been in service knows it. Every military, since the first man picked up arms, it has governed him. I know. I spent four years in there. Sacrifice the squad. Save the platoon. Sacrifice the platoon. Save the company. Sacrifice the company, save the regiment, sacrifice the regiment, save the battalion, sacrifice the battalion, save the corps, sacrifice the corps, save the army, sacrifice an army, save the war. Always it has been. There are no independent people in the society of man once they accept a civilized society. And even the primitive societies have abided by that moral principle. You are not important here. I am not important. This group is important. They do not need us. Tradition one. You can bring nothing here that will surpass what is already here. You can merely stand in the shadow of it and perhaps attempt to steal some of its glory. But you are a thief. Tradition two. Important. Our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery. I mean, that was one. Two. For our group conscience, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God, as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. We have only one ultimate authority, and it's done by a vote. And when that vote is cast, after all the discussions are over in a group or in AA, It is AA that assumes this is God's direction. And when that takes place, it is then beholden upon each one of us to do one or two things. If we cannot agree in principle or in conscience with the decision of that group, we have no right to stay here and be a disruptor. That common decency and a degree of sobriety based on a spiritual morality demands that you leave. And you need not leave angry, but it doesn't really matter. This tradition says the only requirement for AA membership is a desire to stop drinking, not smoking, not shooting, not popping. If that is your primary purpose, you are in the wrong place. There are agencies which can handle it. If it is a dual problem, quit being unique. You're not. We had addicts from day one. Bill and Bob. Classic examples. And we had many, many others, including hardliners. Who shot more stuff than probably two thousand of these that I hear, I am an alcoholic and an addict. I'm not interested. You are you a drunk? Is that your problem? And if you have a secondary problem which deals with drugs, if you build a program and run them parallel, concentrating on your primary problem which is alcohol, You solve both at the same time. No need for discussion, and also no need for you to waste a lot of time and maybe get hung up and get killed in the process. The only time I ever read anything is because of here. I don't want to offend anybody. I don't want to hurt anyone. But by golly, if i got to hurt someone to get across my message, then I'll just do that. The only requirement for AA membership is a desire to stop drinking. Not smoking, not shooting, not getting thin, not stopping to wet the bed, not going back to jail. Stop drinking. That, the good Lord, has given us the answer for. And we're the best still on the face of this earth. A little tarnished, but we're still the best at it. There's a little quote here from Bill. It's in the literature. I heard him say it. There is no possible way to make non-alcoholics into AA members. We have open discussion meetings. Read your group pamphlet. Question 25, what it requires to have a group. All must be alcoholic. The minute you sit, the first non-alcoholic down there, and by having open discussion, you are permitting it. You do not have a group. You have a meeting. I got no quarrel with that. You know, meeting the drunks, non-drunks, read the Bible, or going karate. You know, I, I don't care. But read the group. The group. The orange one. All members must be alcoholic. And even the headquarters don't have the courage to pull them off the wearing wind cards. There is no possible way to make a non alcoholic into an AA member. We have to confine our membership to alcoholics. We have to confine our AA groups to a single purpose. Single purpose. And that purpose for me is not being an extension of the Court of the State of Maryland. And a parole officer. I came from a prison to here. And by God, if you'd have been my parole officer, I'd have hated you for it. I'd have stayed. I'd have done the time. I'd have been a good boy. It's better than those tears. And then I'd have told you to go to hell. And 98% of them all check your groups. Finish signing their slips and find them three months later. We don't stick to these principles, Bill said. We shall almost surely collapse. Bill Wilson says A. could collapse. Who will quarrel with that? They'll quarrel with me. They'll quarrel with Clarence. But by golly, when you have quarreled with Bill who laid it down, then your prideful arrogance has you sicker if you're here dry than most of us ever were. And if we collapse, we cannot help anyone. No one. If we hadn't fought all these years for this, I was sober before you were born, Then You wouldn't even be here. Mm-hmm. And you got a responsibility to pick some things up. Because all of us ain't gonna be around a long time. It's tough one. I? I might have offended some people. It is not meant in that spirit. It's in the spirit of And by golly, if you are an addict, I'll take you to a place where you can get help. I'll go with you. And I'll keep my mouth shut there because I don't know anything about your problem. And most drugs don't. Tradition four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups for AA as a whole. That is a repeat of one. It's the unity, the protection of the group. Except here, it is this group, my group, every group. For every group has the right to be wrong. We're autonomous. But if we become so wrong that we affect and we hurt AA as a whole, then it is beholden upon us morally to call an area meeting and take that group off a wearing one card. And it has been done many times in AA. The has to be protected. Not the Vienna group, not my group, not another group. It's the old first, except it applies to the group. I'll go through fast now. It isn't fair to you, me coming here, and it isn't fair to me, really, for these take so much. And it is such a bad time in our history. Believe me. 459 opened up one time, saying, this is the most critical period, in the history of Alcoholics Anonymous, the handwritings on the wall. Not for me. I have my program. I don't stay sober with activity just. I got a thousand friends I can call. I got sober around small tables. I can meet in a home yet. What happens to the guy out there? You want to be responsible for him? I don't. I still have a responsibility. As long as I live. Because someday I'm going to die. And the God, the day is going to ask me, did you do the best you could? Did you get in the best shot you had? Each group has but one primary purpose. One primary purpose. Here it is again. To carry its message to the alcoholic who still suffers. Nobody else. To the alcoholic who still suffers. This world is full of... People who suffer, they suffer from various things, some mental, some physical, some social. We cannot be all things to all people. God has given us one mission in this life, and he has given us every bit of knowledge that we need to be successful with it. Let's not try to improve on what God has given us. And that's to carry a message to a drunk. And the only message we really have is a message of hope. That's all. Just a message of hope. Because if you got it yourself, you can look that guy eyeball to eyeball. And I don't give a damn If he doesn't even believe it, he doesn't want it. There's one thing he can't do. He can't disbelieve you. He knows you want him to have it. And you give him the privilege of throwing it away. That's hope. Six, an AA group ought never endorse finance or lend the AA name to any related facilities or outside enterprises. We got it all over now. Every rehab is taking us They're putting our names on their doors. They're putting their institutional names. Now, to you and I, we know what this means. We know it's not an AA group. But to the public out there, they say, oh, I didn't know that the state of Maryland, the judicial system, an AA. Because we have judges who are putting it in the paper, they're sentencing to AA. We got a real problem over there. If you got it starting over here, jump on it. It'll tear you apart. We have drying out joints. Oh, they weren't our name. And downright, we got the only successful program and they make money at it. Matter of fact, those outfits, you know, they're a business. And I'm a businessman. You need repeat business. <laughs> but you see, they use us. I talked to a friend, an old-timer, cut them long distance, and I said, "What's happening?" He out of Chicago, we help form the groups there. They're, they're stricter up there. They don't fool around. I'm going to Canada in August. Canadians, they're tough. God bless them. They may be our salvation. And I said, what's happening? Is it me? My kittens are damned old. Are I getting to be a bleeding deacon? Am I seeing things wrong? He said, no, Frank. They're waking us. And we're letting them do it. They're making a junkyard out of us. They're throwing everything at us. Look around. Four sentenced in our area in Annapolis. One, eleven-time committal psychotic. A judge sent him. Made a old lady ten, gave him a place to sleep. They found a body down the well on a farm. Convicted rapist three times. I got a wife in here. Just sick with booze. Hey, I love you. I don't want your other sickness around me. We ought to never endorse, but we do. Lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. And much of the problems our own members not evil people, good people, sometimes ignorant, sometimes greedy. They've measured their programs eventually in Alcoholics Anonymous by the length of a paycheck. We see it every day. You know there's fourteen hundred members of AA in prison or under indictment for swindling these programs. So I don't think we're the best debt. So these state agencies these state agencies aren't the smartest birds in the world. Tradition seven, every AA group ought to be fully self supporting, declining outside contributions. It means you pay for your place here. We don't want anybody paying our way. We freeloaded long enough. It's time that we assume the responsibility for declining the outside contribution. We all know why. Whoever holds the paycheck, they dictate the policy. Whoever has the money, they dictate the policy. Aid Alcoholics Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. And we know what that means. you got a club, you need somebody to clean up, to be there, to do this, to do that, etc. It's minimal. It could be alcoholic or non-alcoholic. There isn't any non-alcoholic. That doesn't matter. Or we should remain forever non-professional. And you know, the only way I know to remain unprofessional, I don't know why I would be qualified to be a professional, what would I put out on a Form 57? I've been sober 33 years. <laughs> I'm still as psychotic as when the Navy turned me loose. Well, I'm not going to put that down if the check is big enough, huh? I'm going to trade on you people. You gave me something and now I can sell it. I'm not qualified to. Now, if I held a degree in a university, in psychology, psychiatry, medicine, social care, you know, I'm talking about a full degree, not one of these Mickey Mouse jobs you get in six days. That's like sending them away for the diploma. Then I'd have a right to, Thus, I'd be qualified. And so, non-professional to me, I put it simple. I'm an amateur. The day I don't eyeball to eyeball with a drunk, that's the day I forgot something I came for. And I do know that if I ever determine to be a professional, that that paycheck has got to affect my decisions because I work under a program and direction. And I have found that what would happen to me might be the same thing that happened to a lot of good friends of mine. Notice I say good friends? I say good AAs, good program. I know they were my pigeons, some of them, for 10 and 12 years. Corrupted. And soon you don't look at a drunk anymore, eyeball to eyeball. Because you can't. You start looking down at him. For you are the authority. You are now the power. And God, that is one thing we drunks never need. Is power over other people. Nine... AA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. I go by this one fast. I think they could have left it out. Because how do you organize (laughs) drunks? I will guarantee you I picked two of you, and I'm on the committee with you, and we can't get a common opinion out of three of us. (laughs) I could see us organizing. Now, I want you next week to be in this chair. That <laughs> young lady will be up here, and you will uh, do the coffee. <laughs> oh. All right, those big is <laughs> But we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve, and again, be very cautious when you get these good and faithful servants in there. And they will tell you they are good and faithful servants. That's one of the keys to look (laughs) for. Every time I hear them say, I am your good and faithful servant, I start looking in my pocket. (laughs) (laughs) Number nine. Alcoholics Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues. Hence, the AA name ought never be drawn in the public controversy. This one... You know, this one killed me. It gave me an awful lot of trouble. Only recently. You see, we can't get involved with those people out there on outside issues. If we do, they will chew us up. They are professionals. They will take us apart, and we will never know what hit us. So we will stay out of that world's controversies. We'll have enough of them in here. I hope I'm starting some tonight. You know, have a closed meeting. Sort of like, who did that guy think he was? Or, I don't think that's what it says. And if I have accomplished nothing else, I got you looking at traditions. (laughs) I always say there are 200 words in the simple English language. And you know, there's always a smart guy or a smart girl. And she's sitting, I'll count them when I go home. <laughs> I know. It's the reason I do it. <laughs> and it says we may never be drawn in public controversy. Now, this big court thing, where they take and humiliate a human being. God, my heart goes out to these guys. And these gals. And I go up and I tell them, Hey, fella, our group don't sign those, but believe me, I love you, I'm a drunk, and I want to help you. And I hope that God will come back here. Because we do have an answer for you. But you see, I came out of the prison system. A lot of them. I can't do that to a human being. I cannot be his parole officer. I cannot be an extension of authority. I cannot participate, nor will I, in the humiliation of a human being by a judicial system that is ignorant. No. I have lost friends, but then so be it. But I will not make one person different who walks through that door than I was. When that came up, I got my Irish up, my aggressive humility rose, (laughs) and I made a deal, and I said to a couple of them, I said, I'm going to fix that judge in Baltimore, the the two that started particularly one. I said, I'll get the Baltimore Sun, Channel 13, Channel 2, and tell him, come on down to the courtroom, there's going to be a lockup, and it's going to be me.'" And I'd have busted that courtroom wide open and I'd have gone to jail. And that would have been all right. And then I thought, Frank, you can't do it. You might be able to beat him at his own game. And I could if it was one-on-one. But you see, I can't do that to you. I have no right. You have given me no permission to so I do it as best I can. Tradition 11, our public relation policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, film. It's still a good one, attraction rather than promotion. And you know, the program you have and the steps that you walk, if they're like you talk, you're the best big book that anyone, It may be the only big book anyone would ever see. And there's no greater attraction than some guys maybe like me who came out of the streets, had the jails and the prisons. And 12 years later, with my sobriety, a judge who sentenced me to my last prison, he called me up. He was chief federal judge then. And he said, would you do me a favor, Frank? And I said, sure, judge, you know that. I used to go down to court and I'd buy a drunk for a buck. I say, he's a real drunk this one. Find him a dollar and let's And I said, what What can I do? He said, would you be my speaker at my retirement? There'll be 400 federal judges there. In 12 years. Ah, oh, we don't need Madison heaven. Take what you are when you come in here, and if you come in a drunk, you're not much. And then six, eight months, a year, two years, five years, ten years later. Don't ask that world out there for any special privileges because you're a drunk. Get out there with whatever ability and talent God gave you. And let them know they need make no special exceptions. We'll play the game on their terms. They don't have to play them on ours. They may not like you. But by God, they will respect you. That is attraction. Anonymity at the level of press, radio, and film. We have some misguided souls among us. Usually people of neutrality. And somewhere they really believe. They really believe this. These are good people. Good people. They believe that they individually that their sobriety is so important to the world that they must stand up and publicly break their anonymity. And if any of you consider that, I would like to tell you one thing. Stand up and represent yourself because you do not have my permission to represent me. Indict yourself if you wish. For when you wind up drunk, if you do, they will not say, Hey, Joe Blow got drunk. They will say that guy in Alcoholics Anonymous, the big shot they had on all the program, in all the papers, understand they just locked him up, driving into the fountain or something. Hold <laughs> the twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all our traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. If you place those principles above your personalities, you may be a lonely member of this. You may only draw as a song once said, ten stout men. by God you can stand against the world because you have learned the program where you are now spiritually true to yourself. You have come to a conclusion and that conclusion is that your soul, your being your life is no more precious to God than any other man. Not even the one who walks in the street tonight. It reminds us that the program we got we got from God and he used another drunk to give it. But more important it's a great tradition because it prevents people like me from hurting people like you. And it prevents people like you from hurting people like me. But change the traditions. We'll have our differences. We'll have our arguments. But we'll wind up In a Mexican standoff. Because you see, we will have learned one thing. We got sober with our program. But that 12th step still says, carry that message to other alcoholics and practice these principles in all your affairs. Without them, there will be no AA. Where's the drunk going? Who's out there tonight? It's your responsibility. I hope you pick it up. But if you don't, you'll never really be whole. You'll never know what the whole ball of wax was. And it all boils down to a simple thing steps and traditions. You learn to like and to love yourself in the decency of your person and the dignity of your own person. You learn to like and to love other human beings, no matter how they came at you. And some will come at you pretty, pretty roughly. When you put the two together, you'll find out it won't matter what people think about you or of you. For you will have learned to like some god somewhere in some universe. And if he's with me today, and he has been, this world can't even hurt me. It can be against me, and I shall survive.